This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, welcome to our first mini-episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and this show is for you, our Slate Plus subscribers. Thank you. You are all plus in my book. You'll also notice that I'm flying solo this week with absolutely no co-host. So let's join me and myself in a letter about open relationships. Danny, would you like to read our first letter? I sure would. The subject is open. There's always a great start because you know what it means. It means someone's about to try to open their relationship and it's not going well. That's always what open means here on Dear Prudence. Uh, Okay, here goes. Dear Prudence, my fiancé and I decided to open up our relationship after career moves put us on opposite coasts. This situation is temporary, but between loans and high rent, we won't be able to afford to see each other in person very much. I don't want to lead anyone on, but being honest with women has gained me zip. I had more women interested in me when they thought that I was cheating. With social media, it's very easy to find out that I have a fiancé. We had a no-tell-no-foul rule, but my frustration here makes me want to revisit it. Would it be out of bounds to ask my fiancé for a video or something giving me official permission? Or am I being an idiot? The entire situation is stressful, and I don't know how to navigate it. I feel your stress. I do. I do think you have a couple of options, and I think you have a couple of ideas or assumptions that I think are not helping you at all and that I would like to help you uh, get rid of. So, where to begin? Where to begin? If only someone were in here making faces uh, that I could respond to. I think that I'll start with the phrase, being honest with women has gained me zip. That's actually fine. It's fine if being honest with women doesn't get you something. That's not the purpose of being honest with women. The purpose of being honest with women is that it's good to have integrity and tell the truth. Uh, It makes your life easier. Uh, It makes falling asleep at night go better. It makes your posture improve. Um, It treats other people the way that you would like to be treated. Um, It's not You know, it's like a vending situation where if you hand women enough honesty coins, eventually someone's going to say, oh, thank you so much for being honest. Let me suck your honest dick. Um, Yeah, that's that's not a helpful way to think about women or honesty or the concept of gain. Um, I'm sorry that there have been a lot of women more interested in uh, a, a sort of situation where they thought you were cheating on your fiance. That is too bad. Those don't sound like women who would um, materially improve your life if you spent a lot of time with them. I imagine that they would probably make your life more dramatic and unpleasant. So, you know, it's sorry, or I'm sorry, rather, that that sounds unpleasant, but that doesn't mean, like, what do I do differently to make sure lots of women do want to sleep with me in my open relationship? Many won't. And that's just the problem of dating, which is that sometimes we want things that other people don't want. And while there are certainly people in the world who hear I'm in an open relationship and they're like, hell yeah, that's what I'm signing up for, a lot of women, 
uh, are not interested in, you know, no strings attached hook hookups with a guy who's going to get married to somebody else in the near future. So the fact that being honest means a lot of women say no thanks is a good thing because it's good not to have sex you don't want on terms that don't make you comfortable. I get that it's not fun because it can feel like the point of being in an open relationship is to get sex, which I wasn't getting before for whatever um you know, temporary and logistical reason. But, you know, much like in uh, any any dating situation, simply saying I want to be open to and start pursuing dating does not always mean that the world is going to respond to that with, great, here are your 15 great dates. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that it is okay that you are being honest and that a lot of women are saying, I'm going to pass, because that means those women are getting to make informed decisions about what kind of sex they want to have. And it means that you don't start telling a lot of lies that you have to keep track of. It's very difficult. You have to start writing stuff down, and that's no fun. Um, so as to the the no tell, no foul rule, I feel like... You wrote that because you've heard me talk about how I don't like the expression don't ask, don't tell. And you were like, maybe Danny won't notice that this is don't ask, don't tell in a different form. Um, Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe that's not why you wrote it. But I I think no tell, no – like if I don't find out or I don't hear about it, it's fine. Um, And your frustration here makes me want to revisit it. Um, Yeah, it's it's just a little bit unclear to me – what rule you would like to change. But I I do think that the idea of asking your fiancé for a video, again, while I want to acknowledge that life is a rich, rich tapestry and that there are always exceptions to every rule and that women are a complex and vibrant assortment of people with many different experiences and desires, I don't think there are a lot of women who would be on the fence about sleeping with you in your open relationship but who would be like, you know what would make me feel well, just like at ease, relaxed, like I was getting what I wanted out of the situation, a video recording of your girlfriend on the other side of the country saying, go ahead, you two, have sex. I I think that's the sort of thing that kind of goes back into that, like, I'm spending all my honesty coins, why aren't I being rewarded with sex? Which is like, if I show you my permission slip, you will want to fuck me. And I just don't think that that is an approach that is going to work with real human beings out in the real world. I think most of the time, if somebody is interested in or available in um, hooking up with somebody who's in an open relationship, um, what's going to put them at ease is lots of honest and relaxed communication of like, Let me tell you about my open relationship with my fiancé. Let me tell you about the rules that I observe in order to make sure that everybody, you know, feels pretty good about what's going on. Happy to answer questions. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're looking for? What are your arrangements? Let's exchange this information, you know, in in a friendly and slightly flirty fashion. But I'm calm. I'm relaxed. I'm not, like, anxious, stressed out, frustrated. Like, I'm so mad I don't have sex right now. So... If they're not getting that from you, a video is not going to make a difference. And I'm trying to imagine, like, if I'm on the fence about hooking up with someone and they're giving me a little bit of, like, a stressed out vibe and a little bit of a vibe of, like, the world's not quite treating me fairly. um, And then they're like, let me show you a video of why this should be a good idea. I think the video is going to push me over the edge towards saying I'm going to go home. Admittedly, 
I'm not a lady. I'm a transsexual gentleman. Um, and definitely that's not uh, the group that you're going for. But um, I, I do think that I might have that in common with a lot of people. I don't think that's unique to um, my gentlemanhood. So what can you do? I just talked a lot about all the things you're not allowed to do and all the things that I disagree with you about and all the ways that I think you need to revise your worldview. Um, I, I, I don't want to make you feel like you just need to live in your room and and feel bad about yourself um, until you and your girlfriend, sorry, you and your fiance can, can be together again. Um, but I, I think the thing to do here is talk to your fiance. Um, and again, if some of this open relationship stuff has been predicated on we don't always talk about it, you know, I wouldn't necessarily open with I'm really sexually frustrated and annoyed. But I, I think presumably um, you miss her. You're frustrated that you two aren't able to see each other. Um, it doesn't sound like you're 100% sure when this uh, difficult time is going to be over. And spending a lot of energy trying to get women to hook up with you when they're not interested isn't really going great for you. So I, I would maybe invest a little more of this time and emotional energy into your relationship with your fiancé. And, and I think maybe with the open relationship part, um, put that on the back burner for a minute. You can still be open to it. Um, you can still kind of every once in a while pop your head back out and see if there's anyone available and interested. You might want to look into whether or not in your community there are like meetups or groups or events for people interested in open relationships, polyamory, swinging, any combination of those vaguely interconnected groups um, who might be able to not just talk to you about the problems that you're facing, but also some of them might be interested in hooking up. That is often, I think, easier than trying to find single unattached people who want to join your open thing. Um, so there's there's a way for you, I think, to get some of that in-person connection. It might not instantly result in sex, but it might lead to sex. And it would also, I think, at least instantly result in some meaningful or helpful conversation or a sense that you're not the only person in the world trying to navigate like a sort of difficult, long-distance, semi-open relationship. And then, yeah, I, I would just say if you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling a little just like closed off from the world, find ways to share that with your fiance and find find ways to check in with her about how she's doing. Think about whether or not there are ways that if you can't afford to see one another right now, could you, you know, send her a letter that would delight and surprise her for no reason? Can you, um, you know, talk about what it was like when you two first met and just spend a little time together in emotionally intimate and available ways that um, might not result in immediately changing your situation, but would at least make you feel like this is the connection that really, really matters to me. This is the thing that I'm trying to um, get back to when we live together again someday soon. Um, I think a combination of Talk to your girlfriend more. See how she's doing. Share some of the hardships that you're going through with her. Be there for each other. And then also look for more people who are interested in open relationships rather than trying to pick up single girls you think are cute and trying to convince them about your open relationship in person. I think those two things are going to result in much more happiness and connectedness for you than maybe I should just have a video saying it's cool to fuck me or maybe I should just lie to ladies and get a wedding ring and do a whole like, you know, suburban cheating, soon to be divorced dad fantasy. Um, I, I, I think that that would probably result in more frustration rather than less. 
and good luck. I hope that you two are able to get back in the same place soon. And, um, I, you know, it's hard. It's really hard when your careers put you in different parts of the country. I hear that. And I started this letter being very, I think, rough on you. And I want to end by just saying, like, I hope this works well for you. I want your life to have less stress. The subject of this next letter is, I pepper sprayed someone. Straightforward enough. Dear Prudence, eight years ago, I was 20 years old and studying abroad in France. One night, while walking home from a party, a man closely followed my friend and me for a few blocks, told us that we were lesbians, and said that we, quote, wouldn't be lesbians anymore after he got through with us. When he extended his arm to get us to turn around, I pepper sprayed him. Today, I can't stop thinking about this egregiously violent and aggressive act. I didn't notify the police. My friend and I just ran away. Today, I'm very anti-violence, and I feel as though my reaction was totally unwarranted. I can't stop thinking about the pain I caused him, and I feel as though I don't deserve to be happy because of it. Do you have any advice about how to live with the knowledge that I'm a very bad person? I can acknowledge that I was younger and more naive then, but I can't shake the feeling that I totally overreacted without fully understanding how painful and bad pepper spray is. Thanks so much. I wonder um, if if you say that this has been coming up for you more recently, um, and I, I wonder if there's just been anything in your life that prompted you to start thinking about this again in a new way, or if you have kind of spent the last eight years um, thinking of yourself as a bad person, I, I would really encourage you to share this kind of thought cycle you've been trapped in. My my preference would be for a therapist because this is this goes to pretty profound ideas about what kind of a person you are and whether or not you deserve to be happy or think of yourself as a worthwhile human being because eight years ago um, you pepper sprayed someone. Um, it, all of that feels very, very heavy, very, very self-loathing. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say an overreaction to what you did in the sense of like, and now you're overreacting and you should feel bad about that. Cause I'm aware you're in a bit of a spiral right now, but, um, I, you know, I would just, uh, commitment to nonviolence aside, the question of whether or not this was an egregiously violent and aggressive act seems to me fairly obvious. It was neither aggressive nor was it egregious. Um, you were being followed home um, by a man who had already made it clear that he felt very aggressive towards you. And the things that he said to you um, are kind of the most classic justification for corrective rape. Um, that that was a rape threat. What he was saying to you was, um, "I'm I'm going to force you to be with a man now." Um, so your response in that moment of acting as though you were in danger physically—that's not egregious. That's not aggressive. That was a defensive act. Um, I, again, I don't want to say um, you have to feel good about it. I understand that. If you have a commitment to nonviolence, you may feel complicated about your decision to employ self-defense. I wouldn't, but I, I understand that we may just differ there. But I, I just need to tell you, um, you're, th that is like what pepper spray is for, um, the situation that you described. You were alone and without defense in a country that you don't live in, and a strange man threatened to rape you and your friend. Um, 
so, um, you know, I, I, I do not think that you should feel bad about protecting yourself in that moment. I, I think that your reaction was completely understandable. Um, and, and I, I commend you for it. I'm so glad you got out of there. I'm so sorry you were in that position. I don't want to say like, I commend you, like, don't worry, you did the good thing. But the situation that you were in was absolutely terrifying and you had no other options. You had absolutely no other options. And all you knew is this is a man who's following two strange women home and threatening to rape them. You didn't know if he had a weapon with him. You didn't know if he was about to grab you. I mean, you had every reason to think that this man was going to uh, hurt you. Um, so just by what the definition of the word aggressive is, you were not being aggressive. You were walking home from a party, minding your own business, um, and you defended yourself um, when somebody made it clear that they were going to try to attack you. So um, I, I don't think that your reaction was unwarranted. I, I don't think that eight years on, he is still hurt by the pepper spray. Um, I... Yeah, you, you did not permanently harm this person. Um, and I don't think that you can say the same about him and the way that he felt or what he planned for you. So I, I really do think if you can afford it to find a therapist, especially one who is um, competent in addressing things like survivor's guilt um, or, or blaming yourself for uh, harm that others have attempted to enact upon you, um, somebody who can kind of talk you through, okay, when I go to that cycle of I'm a very bad person, like where's that thought coming from? Um, what do I think that a good person looks like? Why do I think of this being something that I didn't deserve to defend myself from? Why do I think that, um, you know, I, I should never be allowed to let go of that night um, and that I should suffer forever because of it? Because I just think that's not an idea that is rooted in reality. I, I, I don't think that you would feel that way about another, per like another woman if she described to you that situation. I don't think you would say... You don't deserve to, you know, you're, you're a bad person. You'll be bad forever. I just, I think this is like a cycle of self-loathing um, and a determination to blame yourself for male violence. And I don't want that for you. Um, I don't, I don't want that for you at all. I think what you did that night was, I'm so grateful that you got away. I'm so, so grateful and so glad that you did not get attacked that night. That is a good thing. Um, nothing about that is, is the, the only thing that's bad about that is what he did and what he tried to do. So um, I don't think you overreacted. Um, I don't think you caused him permanent harm with pepper spray. Um, I don't want to get into whether or not I think what I think or he does or doesn't deserve. I don't want to worry about him right now. I just want to um, – I want you to be able to talk to, if not a therapist, if you can't afford it, at least with your friends. And the way I would phrase it is not, I'm a bad person, I overreacted. The way I would frame it is this. I sometimes have – obsessive and recurring thoughts about a night eight years ago when a man said what he said to me and you can tell them what he said to you um, or if you don't feel comfortable going into details you can just say um, followed me home from a party and threatened to rape me I pepper sprayed him and I got away um, lately I've been revisiting that night obsessively blaming myself um, and feeling like I am a bad person because I defended myself from a violent attack. And I don't know how to interrupt those thoughts. Um, and I don't know what to do in those moments where I feel like I'm a bad person. Um, and that's just something I'm struggling with right now. That is how I would phrase it, because then your friends will be able to um, 
not necessarily fix it for you, but at least be there for you in those moments. And I also say sometimes when you have those thoughts, it might just help to write down something like that you know to be true, which is like, you know, I'm a person who's committed to nonviolence. Um, I'm a person who deserves to be safe. Um, I, I'm a person who matters in the world. Um, I'm a person who tries to do the right thing. Stuff that will feel like, okay, I can hold on to that in this moment when these thoughts in my head are trying to tell me that I'm worthless or bad or that I overreacted or that I'm violent. Like I can look at this and say, I think this is true. And that might help interrupt a little bit of that. And I hope I hope that you write back because I would love to hear if you do share this with a therapist, if you do try these writing exercises, if you do talk to other people in your life about the ways in which you're afraid you're not a good person, um, that you're able to recognize this as an anxious, fearful thought pattern. It is not necessarily just the voice of truth inside of you saying, this is who you really are. Um, it is, in fact, an obsessive spiral that has a lot to do with self-loathing and not a lot to do with whether or not you did the right thing or whether or not you're a good person. Um, and I'm just so sorry. This is such a heavy burden to carry. Um, and, and walking around feeling that way about yourself sounds very, very difficult and hard. And I just want for you a lot of people um, in your corner who can help you, you know, at the risk of sounding really cheesy, just find ways to love and accept yourself and to let go of some of this blame. I don't believe that you did anything wrong. But even if you had, even if you had, I would want you to be able to find ways to live with yourself. I think that's important, both for people who have been harmed, for people who have caused harm. Um, I would want you to be able to get to a place in your life where you could be peaceful, useful, and self-accepting. I think that's good. Um, good luck. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 